The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. everyone and welcome to the run home with Kimbo and the Roots. I'm Ben Hook. I'm in the sizable shoes of Kim Dillon on your Friday afternoon drive home. We've got an enormous show ahead for the next two hours. We will have all of the latest trade news. We're going to be joined by Sunday Detch from the Adelaide 36ers. Of course, our Sixers are set to fight back from their 0-4 start to the season. The reaction to Australia's diabolical World Cup campaign, that's all in front of us. In this afternoon's show, it's in tatters at the moment for the Aussies. Barat Sunderaisen will join us a little bit later on today. We'll have a preview of South Australia's Sheffield Shield clash with New South Wales at Adelaide Oval. Nathan McAndrew to take us through that. We'll have your calls, one three hundred sen sen That's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 You can text us, 0427 154 166. We've got all of that, and we've also got this guy. What's the matter, you? Hey, got no respect. Michelangelo Rucci, good afternoon. Long time no see. Uh, You're looking healthy and well, my friend. Thank you, Ben, and welcome aboard. I've had more co-hosts now than Richard Burton bought engagement rings for Elizabeth Taylor. What's the line to Kimbo? It's not you, it's me. He just keeps disappearing. <laughs> Hello, Kim, wherever you are. Uh, we're doing it today thanks to Hyundai, the all-new Hyundai Kona, imagined to be bold. Did you watch the cricket last night? Yes, I did. And so many questions, whether it be about what Australia is in the one-day form, what is Classic, how people you, use the Aussie supporter using technology as a distraction for what is an unacceptable performance from Australia last Not night. Not dismissing that, but what I am curious about is, again, we've, we've seen drama with technology in the English Premier League in the past two weeks. Now we're seeing drama with it in Is it really drama? Cup. Well, were they, were they so diabolically bad TV decisions? So here's what we're talking about for Steve those Smith of you who have just the jumped one. in. Steve Smith got a ball that looked like it was possibly tracking down the leg side. South Africa weren't sure. They decided to review it, were stunned to find that the ball was going to be cannoning cannoning into leg stump according to the decision review system. There was a second decision that went against Marcus Stoinis where um, the ball looked to brush a glove or maybe the handle of the bat. If it hit a glove, it looked like the glove was off the bat at the time, therefore not out. So Australia who went down by 134 runs for a start. So it was a pretty, pretty poor performance. Maybe a couple of dismissals went against them. But I've had a look at those today. I didn't think that there was a complete um, breakdown of the DRS system. It actually seemed like, yeah, Steve Smith got a long way across, as he does, got hit in the pad. Wickets keep a bit lower on the subcontinent. Mm. It did look like it was possibly tracking down, but I I wasn't absolutely... Uh, outraged by that, nor was I outraged by the decision that went against Marcus Stoinis. I think this is a wonderful diversion by Australian cricket fans to make the point that we have got a lot of this World Cup campaign wrong, and we can talk about that. You can talk about it as well, one three hundred sen sen or 0427154166. Can we start with the squad, Roach? I, I do not understand the squad we have picked for a subcontinent World Cup. So Australia went to... Like, you mean lack of spinners for a start? What were the options? It's like we're picking 
a, a test side to play at Lords. Well, but we <laughs> yeah. did, we, did, yeah, we but worked this the, out. But what were the real options, though? I and understand. Is that then a reflection of what mistakes we've made previously rather than the mistakes we've made this time? So you always were going to expect that the wickets weren't going to be the absolute turners that we've normally seen in an India-hosted test series against mm. Australia where the wickets fall apart an hour into play and these matches are normally over by about day three. Having said that, Australia's first three matches, first one was going to be at Chennai against India, and that has always been a turning wicket. Lucknow, where they played last night and they'll play Sri Lanka in their next match, is also a wicket that tends to turn. And both times we've gone in with three quicks, a couple of medium paces, one spinner, mm-hmm. Adam Zampa, and then the part-time spin of Glenn Maxwell. And so Glenn Maxwell's been our only finger spinner. Now, we worked this out in the test series against India last time where we took uh, Matthew Kuhneman and we took Todd Murphy and we took Nathan Lyon. None of those guys are involved in this campaign. All of them were a real threat in those conditions. None of them were even considered. I'm stunned by that. And here we have a situation where Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood and Pat Cummins, great attacks at Adelaide Oval just down the road here, Rooch, wonderful attacks at the (laughs) MCG or the SCG, but they just were never going to suit Chennai. And they they don't look, once the ball loses a bit of its sheen, on those tracks, that's about six overs in, two new balls, of course. So you're putting this at the feet of the selectors as we could have with a test series where they didn't play Travis Head in the first test, remember? Yeah, and that was a monumental blunder So you're putting this at the selectors' feet again. Well, I think that that's one of a multitude of things. But as there are a couple of other issues about just the way in which has the power base of this team drifted too deep into the player group now? I mean, we, I don't want that's to revisit a, that's a, totally the Langer issue, but that's a philosophical has it argument. drifted too far the other way now? I, I think there are some more simplistic issues that we need to deal with with regard to the Australian cricket team right now. Uh, the, the squad, I think they got wrong, and I think they mm. should have been playing a lot more spinners. And it's almost like Pat Cummins, as much as he's the captain of the team, he gets in the way of where we really need to be selecting a side. They would have looked a lot more balanced with two quicks and an extra spinner in that side, and we just don't have it at the moment. What about the non-selection of Alex Carey after one game? Explain that, that one. That absolutely reeks of an organisation that doesn't really know, has no structure in their planning. I mean, you cannot tell me that Alex Carey picked him for game one, dropped him for game two, mm. and bring in Josh Inglis, who dropped, okay, it was a pretty tough catch, but still dropped a catch and looked completely out of sorts with the bat as well. Missed a dead set straight one from Casigo Rabada. Um that is just – that says to me, that smacks as a great example of an organisation that just wasn't prepared, wasn't planned. So a loss to India, a loss now to South Africa, Sri Lanka on Monday. If it's zero and three, it's – well, that's doomsday, isn't it? Uh, it and is. Then they're, and then they're playing out just a, series, a, a competition that just to work out where they rank rather than – Playing semi-finals. The, the other problem, Roach, is that both of these losses have been fairly significant yep. and their net run ratio is going to be right out of kilter. So, mm. yeah, they're probably going to have to win six of their last seven games, maybe seven. And there are some sides that are bobbing their heads up again. New Zealand look really good. Pakistan is going to be difficult to beat in those sorts of conditions. India is always to be locked in at home. And Australia normally in a World Cup just throws in one bad performance against a side that you would expect them to beat. So, you know, could they run into a bad day against Bangladesh or someone like that? So what are we saying then about the bigger picture of where one-day cricket is as well? 
yeah, another philosophical discussion. I, I, and I know that you are. Um, I'm bewildered as to how we can persist with a World Cup if we're saying we're not interested in playing this game as series anymore. Yeah. It's just going to be a like a monument to what was one day cricket. Every four years, let's get all together and let's play it as a World Cup, but we're not going to worry about it for the other parts of the calendar. The great challenge with one day cricket is that there's never been a an international structure to it. Yep. Like, show me the international one-day cricket premiership table. I mean, there is no such thing. And so we lose interest pretty quickly because we don't get an opportunity mm. to understand how we're measured against other teams. It's just your country versus my country. We play three or five games and then yeah. we drift off and these things are forgotten about. And they they, they just lack... Um, they purpose? lack context. Yeah, they, they lack, lack a purpose. Yeah, they do. They, they lack meaning. So what we've got now is we've got... Cricket as in the test form where it's pure and we know there are a few rivalries there that hold it together. And we've got a T20 series, which is about where all the cash is and the quick fire entertainment. So one day has become lost in between, surely. Which is, what is it? That just a, a reflection of where the game is at? The uh, fact that it's either has to be very quick or very pure. People but it can't still, be in between anymore with 50 overs each. People still take the one-day game very seriously at World Cup level, but it does have some, it has some problems yeah. that they need to solve in between times. Otherwise, the format of the game will become quite consistently... It it won't be irrelevant, but it will it will lack purposes as we were just saying. So uh, as a pure... Here's a message here from Mario from Maslin's Beach. Oh, Mario! I knew Australia would go out in straight sets in the cricket when I saw a bloke in the crowd wearing a port top. There was a guy there wearing the um, the the teal coloured port oh, guernsey. I thought oh. that's uh, good on you, Mario. Mario Thank Mario. you. I hope he's well dressed at Maslin's. Um, uh, we've also got oh hello. This is uh, Ethel from Ethelton. Refreshing change to have a bloke on this show who talks sense. I presume they're still talking about you, Roach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hello, Ethel. Ethel. Thank you, Ethel from uh, from Ethelton. I'll, I'll drive by tomorrow and I'll bring some roses. Can I have Ethel. one other issue that I've got to bring up with Why the Australian not? cricket team? Go for it. Why on earth, when you've got clearly pitches that are going to deteriorate over the course of 100 overs, do we insist on bowl- on bowling first and batting second? Why wouldn't we bat first? Paul Nobbs, who I played a lot of cricket with, he had a very, very simple theory in cricket. Batting is better than bowling. Why would Australia give up the opportunity to put runs on the board when the pitch is at what you would expect? I know that there's this new modern theory that we all like to chase runs now because we understand at what speed we have to go. Mm -hmm. But I see so many cricket games where sides, and it happened to South Australia on Sunday, they played against Queensland just over there at Karen Rolton Oval. They won the toss and bowled first and gave up a record score. Jake, have first use, mate. It's a good pitch. Go out and bat on the darn thing. So that annoys me about the Australian cricket team is that they just, they're just they creating a rod for their own backs by deciding that they think they're better chasers. They should be batting first, in particular in those conditions. Without a spinner. No, they, and they need an extra spinner. Mm. Righty-o. One quick too many, one spinner... Uh, one spinner short, one quick too many. And they I'll tell you who they do need, our boy Travis Head, who's sitting around in Adelaide at the moment trying to overcome that um, that injury yeah. that he's got. I'm hoping that he's going to be on a plane next week. But my goodness, that could all be too late, Roach. Where there is a lot of spin is in the AFL trade talks. Free agency ends at 4.30 our time today. 
We haven't had any progress locally with Port Adelaide and Adelaide with all that is on their agendas. When we'll come back after the break, we'll tell you what Melbourne has put on the table for Crows forward Shane McAdam. And we'll look at a little game that Port Adelaide might have to play with Geelong. Don't go away. You're listening to Kimbo and the Rooch. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. Yeah, this is the run home with Kimbo and the Roots. Michelangelo Rucci here, Ben Hook in the chair for Kim Dillon. We're doing it thanks to IGA Supermarkets, how the locals like it. I've got an IGA Supermarket just at the end of my street, and it is so handy because they're really convenient, aren't they? They're always open early, seem to be open late. If you need a loaf of bread for tomorrow morning, IGA is the place to are. go. True to their saying, how the locals like it. Hey, Rooch, we were talking about cricket before, and I'm still outraged, um, and I don't know how I've quite managed to get over it in the first break, um, but... Alex Carey not being picked for this team is just, it's outright stupidity. He's the best keeper in the country. And two weeks ago, he scored 99 not out Mm. for uh, Australia against South Africa, the very team that he Mm -hmm. got dropped for. Tim Payne, I'm pretty confident, agrees with me. This is what he had to say earlier today about Alex Carey being left out of the second ODI in the World Cup. But last night when I turned on the telly, I was shocked that he'd been dropped. And I I said he, he would eventually come under pressure with Inglis in the background, no doubt. But my, my my issue with it is we're one game into a World Cup. Now, a World Cup would have been planned for f- for over a year, how we want to play, what our setup of our team looks like. And for that to change in one game, I found... It, it, I was shocked. Fascinating, isn't it? It is You're fascinating because right. I just don't understand... If they didn't think he was the man or they thought he was that close to being dropped, then why go with him in the first game? Is this a nation without a plan, without a strategy and just going on moment by moment? I do Is not that how it looks? I do not understand it and it strikes me that at zero and two, when you're making decisions like that that are panicked and they're short term and you're not thinking clearly, mm. that you end up with the results that you um, end up with. Uh, a couple of texts that I've got here, Roach. I watched the Australian cricket documentary and it seems to me like we're a bit mentally weak to me, Cummins wants good vibes in the change room, so he gets rid of Langer. Cummins doesn't strike me as the Allen Border type, hard-nosed Aussie captain that we need right now. Um, don't have a name on that one, but thank you for your text. But what how, do you think, Roach? But how does that then apply in the selectors' room? Well, I mean, Pat Cummins would have a say. Mm-hmm. He'd have a say in the side that he wants to lead to a World Cup. He would. He would have been consulted at least on the decision to leave Alex Carey out. Mm, It's not all bad news. The Aussie cricket coach Ronald McDonald still bought the players a Happy Meal each. A little bit of comedy we're getting there as well. that's the big question. Have we gone from one extreme to the other where we know where Langer, be it by perception or reality, to be over the top with his emotions and his, his way in which he would react to now going way, way the other side, whereby you can almost suggest, as some would say, that the lunatics have taken over the asylum. Now, has, has it gone from one extreme to the other and needs someone now to bring it back to some normality? It, it, it strikes... It takes me back to when Travis Head was left out of the... First test. First test in India. Mm-hmm. 
there's knee-jerk reactions that go on. There's not a calm, clear, concise mm. process of thinking. It's exactly the point that Tim Payne was making earlier today. That is the great challenge in cricket is that there are periods of time where you need to be patient. Yeah, Alex Carey has had a couple of poor batting performances in and amongst that 99, but you've just got to be patient and trust that he's your best guy and he will get it done when it matters. And to go completely against the grain of that and just decide that we need to make a change, a knee-jerk reaction change after one game, that strikes me as uh, something that they will probably regret because they're pretty much out of this um they're pretty much out of this world cup already happy friday gents kimbo better stop taking holidays he's going to lose his job love what you're bringing ben and that's from ben possibly me texting myself but i don't live at marden so thank you to ben from marden appreciate uh, oh, i'm getting a little bit of um uh, nice friendly uh, positive remarks here which is uh, really pleasant uh we've got a caller who's come in on the australian cricket team it's beach the day beach the day welcome to kimbo on the roach Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Going well. That's the shot. Um, I just want to bring up the Australian fast bowling trio in particular and go back to the Ben Stokes 2019 incident. Yes. Uh, his great hundred. At Henning. I don't, I don't think they've emotionally... Yep, I don't think they've emotionally recovered. Every time they're under pressure, their bowling just goes to pack. And I, I just think that it's something that's been missed in all of this. I totally agree with Hookie. With, uh, why Nathan Lyon's not there is beyond me. And I have no faith in the Australian selectors, and particularly if you're not from New South Wales or Victoria. <laughs> yeah, the old saying is that um, when you get your blue New South Wales cap, the green one's in the post, isn't it? That's exactly right. I mean, where's you look at uh, the South African stuff with Steve Smith, Warner and Bancroft, and who's missing in that trio? The guy not from New South Wales. Yeah, yeah, Cameron Bancroft, who's been the best Sheffield Shield player over the last two years and uh, does not get a look in, which is uh, yeah, a really interesting one. And it's kept David Warner in the team, whereas certainly on merit, you would argue that Cameron Bancroft um, would have been yep. worth another shot. Beats the day. Good call. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us on Kimbo and the Roach. Um, yeah, one more here, Roach. The Aussie selectors are consistent. When in doubt, drop the South Aussie. So that's a, that's a pretty good <laughs> yeah, message well as well. Balfour's, no matter your club colours, Balfour's are for the game. We've got to take a quick break and uh, then we're going to start to get into all the nuts and bolts of what is going on around trade week and in particular free agency. Don't go away. Listen to Kimbo and the Rooch. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Rooch. Michael Angelo Rucci is here. Ben Hook in the chair for Kim Dillon. Balfour's, no matter your club's colours, Balfour's are for the game. I think we're getting close to the end of the free agency period. Rooch, what's the latest? We are an hour away from the deadline on free agency. And at this point, we have six that have moved. Three to Essendon. So Adrian Dodoro has decided rather than argue with people... He'll take free agency to get his restocking done. That is quite amazing. Three. Three. Is there there a limit on how many free agents you can bring in? Obviously. Yeah, salary cap. That's the limit. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, you're going to keep loading up as many as you want. But otherwise, the salary cap will always bite you. But they've taken three of the Bombers. Jade Gresham from St Kilda today. They'll get into first-round compensation, St Kilda. Yeah, they've got 21 currently St Kilda. And we'll go into that when we do our CMC Invest trade talk about what sort of reaction there now is to that compensation. But Essendon takes Jade Gresham from St Kilda, Ben Mackay from North Melbourne on a significant contract. Yep. Todd Goldstein, also from North Melbourne. 
No surprise that the gang's getting back together again with Brad Scott as the Essendon coach. The <laughs> other ones of interest on the free agency, Matthew Flynn goes from GWS to West Coast. Tom Duday goes from Adelaide to Brisbane, leaving Adelaide with a very nice pick 19. compensation pick. And the other one that started all off with free agency was um, uh, James Jordan, who went from Melbourne to Sydney. So we've got an, just under an hour to get rid of the free agency. The interesting bit will be then how the trade talks get to the deadline on Wednesday with two significant ones just bubbling along today. Adelaide and Melbourne with Shane McAdam and Port Adelaide and Geelong with Asava Radigalia with really Geelong now on a point of take it or lose it. Mm, mm. That's going to be a fascinating discussion. We might get into that a little bit later on, Roach, in particular when we do our trade wrap. Thanks to CMC Invest. So much to come up. We're going to catch up with Barrett Sunderays and talk about the cricket mm. a little bit later on. We need to get to some news headlines. Don't forget you can catch Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh Tuesday to Thursday from 6am. Here's the news. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. IGA Supermarkets, it's how the locals like it. You're listening to The Run Home with Ben Hook and Michelangelo Rucci. It is time for Trade Talk, and it's thanks to CMC Markets, brought to you by CMC Invest. It's international investing made easy. Download CMC Invest today. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count. Well, Roach, yes, thanks to CMC Invest, it's time to chew over everything that has gone down over the last 24 hours in the AFL trade market. I guess a real full stop on where we're at with free agency has been um, the most significant part of today, and there'll be some uh, extended trades drifting on into next week. Until Wednesday's deadline, so we're just under an hour away from free agency. We'll talk in a moment about the issue that has really burnt a lot of time is about the compensation picks that are delivered with free agents. But on the trade table will not be the name of Tom Hawkins. He's now just signed a one-year contract extension with Geelong. It will be his 18th season in the AFL. And when you think about how that career has unfolded to already be at 347 games and the criticism there was at the beginning, particularly the love that Bomber Thompson showed Tom Hawkins and belief that just had to just wait for the moment to then see how this man would play in three premierships of Geelong, become five All-Australians. Mm. And Bomber's not forgetting those who kept pointing out that Tom Hawkins was a slow burn. You people, all of you, all of you, this is rubbish. Yes. <laughs> you've you've been sitting on that audio grab for the last uh, hour and a half. Um, uh, Roach... Can we get to just some of the local issues? And I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on it. At what point does Port Adelaide tell Geelong, no, you are just, you are trading in, good, in bad faith and mm. we're going to try and do something else with pick 24 to get Asava Radigalia out of your club and you will miss out. At what point do you start making those threats? Well, Port doesn't have to worry until... Well, they don't even have to worry until the national draft. Now, the interesting point is here that Sava Radicalia this time is out of contract. Last time he was in contract and had to stay to Geelong. This time, Port have put pick 24 on the table. Now, 
doesn't that seem fair enough? 24 for a Sabre? A bit that I, I think find it's, more I think it's perfectly reasonable, and I actually think that Geelong are operating in bad faith, and I do think that there's a point where the AFL actually has to come out and say, no, that's actually perfectly reasonable. Take it. Otherwise, we will conspire against you to make sure that you don't get anything out of this deal. I don't well, think that's unreasonable. You know the AFL won't act. So the, the, what no, I, I understand what that the AFL, the AFL acts against clubs in all manner of things, but this is actually becoming quite shameful from Geelong. And Andrew Mackey, I mean, good South Australian boy, and mm. I think he's probably doing a little bit of the bidding of his coach who went way too far earlier in the year on his stance well, on the Asava Well, the reason the AFL act is because in the end, Asava has options. So his first option will be, once he falls out of contract with Geelong on October 31, is he gets out his draft form and he nominates. And he can also reach the point of putting on his form B on there, his term and income expectations. Now, we can debate whether six years is said to be the case with Port Adelaide. Putting a six-year contract in front of Savarat Radigalia seems an extreme, but maybe that's what it takes to draw a non-South Australian into this market. Everyone thinks Port should just walk Asava through to the pre-season draft where they would be picked. So they finished fifth, so what do they pick? 13, 14. Okay. Yeah. The reality of that is that is massively dangerous, even if Asava does put in a form B. Mm. I can tell you Hawthorne will look at him. There's there's 12 clubs Adelaide. who get a free bite and they're not costing themselves a draft pick in the national draft. Adelaide needs a key defender. I'd love him. And they've got a lot of cash because we've noted that with the Harrison Petty. Correct. Offer. So the interesting one that Cal Toomey's put on the table. The, the, only, the only issue is Asava's made it very, very clear that he only wants to go to Port Adelaide. And if anyone takes him on, you're taking on a player that doesn't really want to be at your club. Yeah, and he then signs a one-year contract and we go through all this all over again. Yeah, or, now, or can you win him over long term? So you, I mean, but you don't want to put him in the preseason draft because of, course of that not. risk because then he won't do the form B. The only way around this for Port is to now say to Geelong, you take pick 24 or Asava nominates for the national draft and we'll use 24 there. So Port doesn't lose out anyway. They were going to use 24 to trade. They used 24 to pick him up. And his terms would be exorbitant for anyone else to use one well, of those not. first 23 maybe draft not, picks. Because you would find a lot of the clubs would say with those first 23 picks that they've identified young talent of course. That they want to quickly get. So they just let Asava walk to Port jump, Adelaide. Jump to 24. So Port then says, well, the 24 was there on the table. We've used it. You talk about good faith. That would be a sign of it. And Geelong goes, well, we kicked ourselves out of a 24 pick. Cal Toomey had this to say on the way Port Adelaide could get Asava Radigalia to Albert and Oval a little bit earlier today. The preseason draft threat isn't really the viable option this time around, though. I think if he's going to be walked, if a deal's not done, it'd be through the national draft and Porter just pick him with that selection. Is it too big a risk that Hawthorne take him? Yeah, I mean, they're interested. They're interested in that. And, And looking at the draft order now, Hawthorne doesn't have a pick between pick three and Port Adelaide's pick at pick 25. Now, mm. they could change that and move in, but then there's the other factor that has to come into their thinking as well with the Will McKay bid, which probably comes before that selection and they have to you know, have the points ready from that scenario. So if it's a, a draft scenario, it's not a preseason draft scenario, it's a national draft scenario. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. Geelong has to get its head around that it will not get Ollie Lord out of Port Adelaide for Savaratigalia. No. 24 is on the table. It's the only thing that will be on the table. Yeah, it's, it's all that Port Adelaide has. It's the and, best pick they've got. And if Port doesn't use it in a trade, they'll use it in the national draft and Asava Adegalia will be at Port Adelaide. Now, the preseason draft has enormous risks for everyone. So that you just don't see that play. The other interesting one of the day, 
Do you know that Shane McAdam, as we told you? Just, just before we get yeah. off uh, Radigalia, we've got a message here from Brett. Chris Scott and Andrew Mackey are just showing their true colours. They're just jerk human beings. Oh, uh, so thank you to a, Brett. It's probably a, a little bit, bit – they're good guys, you know, but I, do, I don't think they're dealing in, in good faith here. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to get that one they, in they have about every, They have every Asami. right to stand firm. I mean, there have been many clubs over the years that have stood firm saying we don't want to trade a player out, and we believe that we can talk them back into staying here. I understand that there is standing firm, and Geelong have been one of the clubs that have consistently stood firm. Tim Kelly going to West Coast, that took two attempts and yep. uh, a couple of first-round draft they picks. they were satisfied with what they got. But Geelong have always been very good at playing the uh, welfare card with players that want to make their way back down to Geelong, even mm. go back as far as Patrick Dangerfield, who uh, wanted to come home and... and Football clubs made an allowance for that. Now, they did a reasonable trade, and I think Adelaide traded in good faith there on the basis of the fact that that's where Patrick wanted to go play as football. I think from my my issue with Geelong is that they've been very keen to run that welfare and um, some respect for the player and, and their emotional connection to where they'd like to play and where they'd like to go back home. That's a two-way street. Yeah, well, they did pay that one with Jeremy Cameron. They paid significantly for Jeremy Cameron with GWS. That's right, yeah, and that's okay. But that that was, my goodness, he's probably the best player in the competition. Uh, that's what he's worth. I, I, I can understand Geelong's it's, position whereby they want to play as hardball as they can. But come Wednesday night, when the trade deadline comes along, if they're not taking 24, they're just going to lose out, full stop. But let's just get this done and yeah, move but on. You know, but you know that they, it's, it's just like Kenny says. You've got to know when to hold them. <laughs> now, the interesting one will be Adelaide and Melbourne. So Shane McAdam, as we told you yep. a couple of weeks ago, was out going yep. to Melbourne. So Melbourne's put on the table future second. Not this year's draft, next year's, which could be very handy to Adelaide where they could be in a bidding process for all sorts of father-son options. Fair offer? Future second, which let's look uh, where for, Mel- for Melbourne, Melbourne will probably look. Do we still see Melbourne as a top four contender next year? I, I mean, I think I, I see McAdam as... Absolutely 100% a best 22 player for Adelaide, but I'm also aware that he's of an age profile that he's – there's more time behind him than ahead of him in AFL football. I I would say a future second-round pick is about right okay. for Shane McAdam. I don't think that's unreasonable. Got a message here from Mark, uh, which is about this. With Petty refusing to extend his contract with Melbourne mm-hmm. and the McAdam trade hitting roadblocks, I'm tipping Perry's name will come up again. That might be – Petty, Petty, I think, yeah, will yeah. come up again to be traded to the Crows. Watch this space. No, I think we can't know, see it. I don't think that one's going to happen too quickly. I'd love to see uh, brother and sister playing out of the same town. Mm, be interesting. Different sports, of course, not AFL, AFLW, although mm. there could be a. Could you arrange that? Could I arrange a it? from netball to football? Hannah Petty would be a handy AFLW footballer, I would have thought. Growing up on Woodner, she would, uh, she'd know how to kick a footy, I would have thought. That would be a blockbuster billboard, wouldn't it? A- anyway, Shane McAdam, what do you think? Second round? Okay. Future yeah, I, second? I, we always thought it was a second round. So we know Melbourne's probably going to finish between one and six next year. So we're talking about a pick that's going to land close to 30 by the time it's in use. It's got a significant amount of points, which would help Adelaide. Shane McAdam's not coming back. Mm. No point in digging deep on that one. Of course. So, yeah, you'd expect hopefully that one gets done on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, and again, I think the Adelaide Football Club and the Melbourne Football Club have dealt in pretty good faith here. I understand why the Adelaide Crows have gone, Harrison Petty's a South Australian who might be available. Yes, he's contracted, but let's... 
let's put it out there. Let's see if we can't negotiate that as part of the deal. And it looks like um, Petty's going to stay at Melbourne and Adelaide therefore goes, okay, well, a future second round pick in isolation is probably about right. The AFL National Draft, which was designed to be the ultimate equalisation philosophy that the league could ever have, something they took in from the States whereby... If you finished at the bottom of the table, you would get the best draft picks to get you the best talent to give you the best chance to rise up the ladder. Now, we're in 2023, and this national draft has become so compromised by issues of compensation picks for free agents, special assistant packages for North Melbourne, which has already used up next year's special assistant draft picks (laughs) before they were taken away, academy Uh, compensations like Gold Coast has and what has been going on north of the border for so long, that the draft doesn't look anything like an equalisation system at all. If you're sitting at Hawthorne, where you have finished 16th and practically think, well, we should have the third pick in the draft and you're not getting it because of all the compensation picks. It's interesting to listen to, well, not listen, to read Damien Barrett's piece where he does that if and then. Yeah, so sliding doors, it's called, on the afl.com.au website. He goes club by club, but this week he's added in the AFL. He's 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 gone number 19. for the AFL. Yep. So he says, if the AFL player exchange and national draft periods were designed to be, and he puts in inverted commas, pure and free of administrational hindrance, then the opposite has unfolded. Clubs somehow think they have a right to demand high compensation for the loss of free agents, evidence this week with North Melbourne and St Kilda. Damo says, I'd be banning compo as a starting point. First round draft picks are gifted to struggling clubs. North recently got three. So for those who send in the text messages, why isn't Damo having a dig at his own club? Well, he is. He's saying North don't deserve these. Clubs are way too easily able to swap draft picks for draft points to secure academy players. Gold Coast are doing that this year. Yep. And father-son prospects. And this is the key point. An immediate and thorough review needs to be conducted into all aspects of these operations. So he's hit on the very point here. We do no longer have a system that's designed to equalise the competition. Because at this point, North Melbourne's been given a huge leg up. But yeah, it's dragged but, down. But they're rubbish. They're bottom. And it's dragged down. Roots, I've got to be honest with you, and I've heard you read all of it. I know the side you're on, and I I could not disagree more. We actually need bigger compo. Do you know what happens with pretty much every free agency trade? It's a bloke going from a bad club to a good club because he wants to – he feels like he's done his time with his rubbish club, and now he wants to go to a good club and win a premiership. And if that's the way it's going to work with free agency year in, year out, and that's what we see, and we even see that now, not that Adelaide are a bad club, but middle-of-the-road club – Tom Duday goes to top-end club Brisbane, grand finalist, and we're saying that we should give them no compo. So we're just going to keep handing players from struggling clubs and give them to good clubs and pay nothing to the bad clubs in return. It's a, That is the most crazy system no, I've ever heard. No, I am no. very, very comfortable no with the way the AFL's handled this, no. where they've said, you know what, we are going to give good quality compensation if you lose a pick. No, and in particular with the system that the AFL drafted staggered, North no, Melbourne, missing, I'm no. very, very happy that no. they are going to get a very, very good no. pick for Ben Mackay. Ben, no no one, problem at no all. One's, no one's ignoring that point. The system is actually flawed. Because if you want pure compensation that keeps equalisation, you don't invent new picks. So if you're saying here, like, okay, North, St Kilda and all these clubs are being hurt, here's the real test of compensation. Instead of North Melbourne getting a new pick, which then hurts Hawthorne and every team that else is there in the bottom end, 
Go to Essendon and say, you know what? We're taking a draft pick away from you. You want Ben Mackay. You want Todd Goldstein. You want Jade Gresham. That's three draft picks you lose. That's compensation. Well, that's, that's equalisation. That's an entirely different story, and I don't, uh, I don't have a drama with it. But taking away from bad clubs and giving them to good clubs is just silly business. We've got to take a break. We're going to catch up with Barat Sundarays, and I want to talk to him about cricket. He knows his stuff. A break. Kimber on the roots. Don't go away. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. Yeah, we're doing it thanks to YGA Supermarkets. It's The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. Ben Hook in the chair for Kim Dillon on this Friday afternoon live from Studio Lumo SA, Barrett Sunderaisen to join us very shortly. A couple of texts that have come through, uh, Roach. Boys, in this case, with Asava, good clubs would make the trade happen. 24 is fair, and this has been two years now. Sava wants to go to Portners out of contract. If they don't take 24, it is ridiculous and typical of the arrogance of Scott and Mackey. Listen to Chris Davies on his attitude towards our players all class. And you got it. Chris Davies is a old cricket teammate of mine, of course, but he is a ripper. We're going to turn our attention to the World Cup because Australia is in all sorts of trouble right now. And to take us through how much trouble they are actually in is a good friend of mine and a wonderful cricket journalist. His name is Bharat Sundarais, and he's been good enough to join us now. Bharat, welcome back to SEN and the run home. Uh, thank you so much for having me back. Okay, it's always good to talk to you. And you are right. Uh, Australia's campaign um, is just two matches in already seems to be on life support. Uh, that was uh, quite uh, quite uh, the game last night. Uh, Australia lose games at World Cups. Right? It's happened before. Yep. Mm. But they don't get embarrassed at World Cups. And that's, uh, that's what happened last night. But Barat, explain to us what happens to the Australian selectors as soon as they land in India. <laughs> the Travis Head one still <laughs> from the Test Series doesn't make sense. Yeah. And now the Alex Carey one last night makes you wonder what does go on as soon as the selectors find themselves uh, well, on the subcontinent? You're not interfering with uh, them, at least, No, at least I know this time you're not going to blame me. I know you spent three months blaming <laughs> me for Travis Head being left out, and I accepted the blame. But no, look, I think that tells you everything um, you need to know about this side in, that, uh, in terms of not being 100% sure of what is working and what will work. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been, what, seven, eight games now where the batters just haven't, uh, done enough. Uh, they haven't scored r- enough runs. They've m- once again been bowled out for uh, well below 200. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe Jesus felt that Alex Carey hasn't got runs. He's got that 199 against South Africa. Uh, but apart from that, his numbers have been pretty um, uh, disappointing. So they felt that, you know, the uh, Josh English, who does bat differently, he uh, is more a modern day, one day batter. Um, maybe they thought bringing him in would work, but the ball was doing all sorts, and Kakizarabada was bowling like a dream. But, but how can it make sense? when If Alex Carey's got those runs against South Africa and they're playing South Africa again, why would you remove a man who's clearly confident against that pace attack of South Africa? It's a panic move, uh, and after one well, game are. as well, So which also now means uh, which also means that you can't go back on it immediately, right? Mm-hmm. You can't bring Josh Inglis in and not give him two, three more chances uh, to fail or to succeed before you bring back Alex Carey. So, uh, and also, not to forget, Alex Carey has been such a senior figure of this side. Uh, you know, he's been with the one-day team for five years, had a great World Cup last time, has captained this side. 
And I'm sure that has an impact as well when you leave someone like him out. Uh, Barad, I'm interested in your thoughts on the bowling attack as well. Australia's basically picked a test attack with uh, with Adam Zampa. So we've gone the three mm-hmm. quicks and one spinner. And it just looked like it hasn't worked on the particular pitches we've played the first two matches on. Do you think in hindsight they wish that they'd taken an Ashton Agar, maybe tried a Matt Kuhneman like they did in the Test Series? Heck, Nathan Lyon bowls mm. reasonable finger spin, I would have thought. <laughs> All of those guys, I wonder why they – Todd Murphy, why none of them came under consideration and here we are in a situation where our only finger spinner in the side at the moment is a part-timer in Glenn Maxwell. Who's uh, by far been the best bowler for Australia in the last few weeks, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been bowling beautifully, Glenn Maxwell. Uh, but I think it's it's very similar to how they did win the T20 World Cup two years ago, didn't they? I mean, they went for their test attack and Zampa. Uh, they did have Ashton Agar uh, fit uh, at that point. Um, and they just said, you know what, like, you know, we've tried a lot of other people. And, and, you know, that's one thing that gets lost when Australia lose in white ball cricket. It's not that the selectors, not just this, these selectors, but the other selectors in the last four or five years have tried so many guys from the BBL, from domestic cricket. But... How many of them have really uh, clicked? They haven't, right? Uh, so they've constantly gone back to um, what does work for them in Test cricket, which is Hazelwood, Cummins, and Stark. Um, Look at their credit bowled pretty well yesterday. I thought they brought uh, the game back to uh, par uh, in the last ten overs, but again, the batting just wasn't uh, good enough. Uh, and and I, I don't have a problem with the squad that they picked. Uh, it, it does make sense. It's just that they're, such, they're an underperforming group. We're also tired, don't forget, it's come on the back of uh, that India Test Tour and the Ashes. Both were um, deemed to be legacy tours. I don't know uh, where this fits in, in that sense, if, you, if, you, if that makes sense. The 50-over World Cup after those two tours in the same year. Bharat, I know there's side issues because there are far more pressing questions about what the Australians are doing at this one-day World Cup, but the technology mm. and the use of technology by humans last night mm. with Smith and Stoinis. How did you see both moments? Ooh, uh, this, this one, I was screaming bad review, bad review, uh, some <laughs> terrible review and yeah. some other choice words when they reviewed it. But, um, yeah, I was as shocked as Manus, Steve Smith, um, or even General Wilson, uh, the umpire. He couldn't believe he was asked to reverse his decision. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's a, it's a tricky one with Steve Smith. And, and also with that LBW, the more and more replays you see, the more and more you think, eh, maybe it wasn't as bad uh, a call as uh, we thought it was initially. The Stoinis one, I think, was a mistake. Um, right? I, I love Richard Kettleborough. He's one of the best umpires you'll ever yeah. see, both in the box and on the field. But I think he just got it wrong. Uh, and it's just a case of when you freeze the frame, and in that instant, you can uh, maybe assume that the two gloves are touching each other, and that's exactly what it came down to, uh, right? To complete the chain reaction between glove, glove, and bat. Uh, but yeah, that was a mistake. But let's face it, Australia were five for seventy, and I know Michael Markerstone has hasn't made a fifty since the last World Cup. Uh, but when you start like over focusing on those things, uh, you kind of know where a team is, uh, right? And Australia aren't in a good place at this moment. Barrett, so it is only two games, but um, yeah, we do find uh, the gloom and all of these things pretty rapidly. We've We've panned the batting, we've panned the bowling, but what about the Australian cricket team's fielding? We normally go to World Cups and outfield everyone, and it's the subcontinental teams who are fumbling catches and making mistakes. Australia, quite frankly, looks ordinary in the field. Can you explain that? Oof, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it fatigue? I asked Manas Labashin last night. He said, I can only speak for myself, but 
Um, I, look, they're professionals, but they, it was a very unprofessional display by, from Australia. The drop catches, and even the uh, there was that sequence, wasn't that? Okay, uh, Pat Cummins bowling the 49th over. First ball, Glenn Maxwell lets one through his legs, two yes. runs. Second ball, stuck, uh, kind of gets to a catch, and then it pops out. And then the third third ball was that uh, shocking shot, uh, Stoinis drop. Um, it doesn't happen with Australia. And I'll be honest, everyone here, especially uh, a lot of local Indian journalists, uh, they keep coming up to me and saying, like, is this even um, the Australian team that we grew up on? Like, you know, and again, it has nothing to do with attitude or whatever, but it's the clumsiness in the field. Like, if bat and ball people can come in and out of form. But Australia has never made these kind of mistakes. I think it's, I don't know, it could, could it be fatigue or... Uh, they have, like, no time to really even, like, sit back and look at what or what could have gone wrong. Because if they don't beat Sri Lanka, or pretty much this, they don't win every game from here on because of their net run rate as well, uh, they are really, really swimming against the tide in terms of making that final. Barat Sandarajan, in one word, can Travis Head fix this for Australia? Well, the thing is, when does he get here? I mean, by the time he gets here, Australia might already be knocked out. And then you have to find a same question, is there any point of bringing him here and should we just keep resting for the test now? Uh, yeah. So uh, we heard yesterday that uh, he, he's on his path to recovery. I don't think he started batting yet. Uh, but like I said, hopefully by the time Travis Head does land in India, Australia have won um, at least three games. Because if they haven't, uh, honestly, it looks very difficult. Look at the teams who are on top right now. Uh, New Zealand, India, South Africa, Pakistan. They look so dominant and England aren't too far behind either. Um, Australia are like what the in between Afghanistan and Netherlands right now on the table, um, and honestly, they have played as badly as those two teams have uh, as, as a collective. Barat, thanks so much for your time and your expertise on what is going on right across the World Cup. We look forward to catching up with you over the next couple of weeks. Uh, sure, thing. Hope, hopefully in happier times. But anyway, I am taking the Aussie boys out to. Uh, see the ruins of uh, many other empires in Lucknow. No, don't uh, show them ruins. Ring a bell. Yeah, don't yeah. show them ruins. <laughs> You'll be a fine tour <laughs> guide, I'm sure. <laughs> one game there. Barat joins us. He does it <laughs> thanks to Beaumont Tiles. Beaumont Tiles giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. This is Kimbo on the Roach. Here's the news. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Rooch. Kimbo and The Rooch on The Run Home. We're doing it thanks to IGA Supermarkets, How the Locals Like It. We are live in Studio Lumo SA. And SA Cricket takes our focus uh, because South Australia has what I would regard as a really critical match against New South Wales at Adelaide Oval. It gets underway on Sunday. Their big, hard, fast bowler, who bats very well as well, has been good enough to join us. His name is Nathan McAndrew. He is on the line. Nathan, welcome to The Run Home. Thanks for having me, guys. Hope you're having a good arvo. We are having a fantastic arvo. I'll tell you what, I'd be having an even better arvo if we could get uh, the Redbacks off to a, a bit better start. Let's just talk about the game against Tasmania, done inside three and a half days. Interesting conditions, new wicket, of course, at Karen Rolton Oval. What were your takeaways from that game? Of course, you missed it, uh, Nathan. You are back for the one day, but what was the group's takeaways? 
Um, yeah, I think, look, just a pretty sloppy performance from us, to be honest. I think, um, yeah, obviously the wicket did a little bit on day one, as we know Adelaide Oval wickets do, which it was a, you know, obviously at KRO, but it was a drop-in from Adelaide Oval. So, you know, it's always going to nip around a little bit on day one. And, um, yeah, with the bat, we just didn't really execute that well. And with the ball, we started really sloppy as well. They were one for 200, I think, in the first innings. And from there, we bowled really well. We you know, took the next nine for about 140 runs or something like that and had them three down in the second innings for not many. But, um, yeah, just sloppy with the ball and, and you know, not off to great starts with the bat either on both innings. What was that pitch like? Because traditionally, Karen Rolton Oval in October, it is an absolute run fest. And we might refer to the one day that was a couple of days on afterwards where, unfortunately, you had to bowl on that. But what yeah. what was the feedback on the wicket like? And what's that going to mean as we play more Sheffield Shield games at Karen Rolton Oval? Yeah, the boys all said it was very similar to Adelaide Oval, um, so completely different to what Karen Rolton traditionally is, um, which is which is good because I don't think it's just a run fest in October. I think it's a run fest all year round. But, um, yeah, no, the boys said it was very very similar to to Adelaide Oval as as you would expect with it being the drop in. But um, yeah, I think that's just going to give us more chance to get results there um, over the course of the season. So. You know, we've got the, traditionally we always have the first Shield game at, at KRO and also the last Shield game, um, which is in and around AFL when they need um, Adelaide Oval to start prepare, preparing it for the AFL season. So, yeah, those are those are two games where traditionally you're really fighting your butt off just to try and get a result. It's often a, a pretty pretty common result to have a draw there. So, yeah, just getting the, the drop-in down there is going to hopefully give us, you know, conditions that are the same all year round on our home ground, whether it's at Adelaide Oval or Karen Rolton. Uh, to be you know, adjusting to conditions um, venue to venue and hopefully it gives us more chance to, to get a result which you know as we saw we got a result out of this weekend it wasn't the one we wanted yeah. but there was a result and it wasn't a draw so I think that's promising if you know if we can execute a little bit better then we'll come out on the better side of the result. Nathan it makes sense you have consistency of the decks between Karen Rolton and Adelaide Oval. The question came up this week and we haven't got a tape measure and I doubt that you've used a tape measure between the two Adelaide Oval and Karen Rolton but is there much of a difference on the size of the two grounds oh. because of the run fest that you get at Karen Rolton? Some people are saying Karen yeah. Rolton's wider than Adelaide Oval. No, couldn't be, could it, Nathan? Well, I, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. So it's the, the outfield is definitely a lot quicker at Karen Rolton yeah. um, compared to Adelaide Oval, but I think it was just the size of, um, of the one square boundary on, a, on an edge wicket there at Karen Rolton for yeah. the one-day game. So there was one very short side, and you know that provides, obviously, so many opportunities for boundaries there for the for the uh, the batting side, but also to the long side that it becomes quite difficult to protect. It becomes mm. a lot of big pockets. There's lots of twos out there, so it can be a really really difficult ground to to shut batters down if they get if they get in and, and start to take the game on. So early wickets become pretty crucial there and trying to make inroads into into the team. And you know we didn't start well again with the ball and they got off to a heater and. You know, at that point, it's very difficult to shut them down because of the size of the ground. Um, and you know, as we saw from both sides, it was a run fest for both sides. And you know, unfortunately, it, it took something special from Jake Fraser McGurk to Isn't get us ever. back in the game um, and and cancel out how poorly we bowled. But um, you know, from from the position we were in, we needed six point nine and over when he got out. When he got out, and you know, ideally with nine wickets down, you'd still hope to chase that. So it was just again a, a bit of a, a bit of a sloppy performance with that end ball. So, as you said at the start uh, of the intro here, it's a yeah pretty big week for us against New South Wales in both the red ball and white ball. Well, yeah. your new coach Ryan Harris, your new bowling coach, was so positive when he spoke to us a week and a half ago. What's his attitude been like in review on this one? I imagine he still maintained a positive sales pitch to you, but 
How's he been able to do the carrot and the stick for you so you get a better result? Yeah, well, he's obviously, you know, uh, one bad week doesn't mean we yeah. aren't very good bowlers anymore. So, you know, he's got a lot of faith in us to be able to turn it around and so do we as, as a bowling group. Um, but yeah, he, he had some, some pretty, you know, firm words for us after um, after the one day game which were which were warranted. You know, there's no mm. there's no hiding behind the fact that we, we underperformed last week. There's no pretending that didn't happen, but we also do believe that we're a quality bowling unit and a quality side and yeah, as you said, we've had a really good week this week in build up um, to to the Blues game and yeah, we we've got, you know, I wouldn't say a chip on our shoulder, but maybe a little bit of extra motivation to good to go out and show how good we can be. Yeah, I mean, you've you got to set high standards, I suppose, at elite-level cricket. But, gee, I mean, I watched every ball of that game at Karen Rolton Oval, the, um, the Marsh Cup game. I mean, Jake Fraser McGurk's innings was something absolutely special. But my word, I'm glad I didn't have your job, Nathan, as a fast bowler because that is borderline unfair. That wicket is so flat. The outfield is fast, as you suggested. And that eastern boundary was, what, 45 metres, it felt like? It was an absolute... it was 54. It's an absolute pitching wedge Still, to get yeah, it up they, on. They, they, 54, but I'm, I'm certainly not convinced with that. I think 54 is the um, the legal boundary side. <laughs> yeah, so I, okay. I was communicated as 54. I'm not. I'm not convinced it was 54, but um, okay. yeah. Look, at, at the end of the day, it's the same for both sides. So yeah. um, sometimes you got to swallow your medicine and and understand that it's maybe not going to be about you as a bowler. Your figures aren't going to be yeah. pretty, but yeah. at the same time, you know, we didn't do uh, the best job with the ball. I think, to be honest, after the first 15 to 20 overs, we actually bowled pretty well, even though they continued to score. Once, once you get ahead of the game there and, and you start showing your intent and targeting the short side, it's, there's not much you can do to sl- slow it down. So I think we actually, you know, silly as it sounds, they got 4.30. We actually did a pretty good job um, shutting them down. But we just bowled really poorly early, early doors and let Caleb Jewell, who's a quality player, mm. but we let him get off to a flyer and, and just lost all that momentum and let them into the game. So, yeah. you know, if we had started better, um, you know, we'd probably hold them to, to 360, 370 and, um, and the way that we played, we would have chased that easily. So, yeah, it's a, you know, that's that's on us. Um, but it's it's the both it's the same for both sides. It's a tough school, though, Nathan. You can you can get home and th- yeah, I've bowled pretty well today. Took one for ninety off mm. my ten overs. It's uh, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> talking about getting home and talking about cricket. Tell us about your living arrangement at home. You uh, you're like the father of teenagers almost at the moment. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm not ready for it as well, boys. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, these two are. Oh, I think you know, kids might be a bit more responsible than these two, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. But um, no, it's all in good fun. They've been they've been good. Um, they've been very good company, and I think it, yeah, they got a bit of traction in that uh, media release about um, Bucky Seven for the other day. But um, yeah, they they were pretty pretty certain that they were going to make sure that they nail me in some form of interview that they get further down the track. So <laughs> um, I think yeah, they're, they're keeping score. Unfortunately, though, I think they've got. Memory like an elephant, unfortunately. We will have a we'll have you on as a regular guest because I'm sure we want to give you every <laughs> opportunity. So just tell us you're living with Jordan yeah. Buckingham and you li- is it Jake Fraser McGurk who's moved in with you as well, the young lad from Victoria. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yep. And um, so th- they have uh, so it's they're what both what twenty twenty one each I, I presume and you've just turned thirty. Yeah, that's correct. They're I think they're twenty two and twenty one or twenty three and twenty two. Um, and I've just hit 30, so yeah, there's uh, on the odd one out, but um, yeah, now they're um, they're downstairs and I'm upstairs, so I got a little bit of space from them, which is which is lovely. <laughs> that that isn't a bad deal. Let's just uh, very quickly touch on the game that gets underway Sunday. New South Wales, of course, they always look a little bit less intimidating when the international players are out. Jackson Bird is uh, an interesting inclusion for them, but you probably feel like that uh, you've got to get your season started sometime, and this weekend's as good as any. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jackson Bird is obviously a, a big inclusion for them as a bowler. He's, you know, we know how we know his record speaks for itself. And um, an Adelaide Oval day one wicket will probably suit him playing most of his career at Bell Reeves. So, yeah, look, they're obviously a quality opposition. They've got a lot of quality with bat and ball and, and we'll have to start well. I think that's going to be a real key for us. Um, we know our talent. We know how good we can be if we can get off to a good start and drive the game. We saw that last year against good wins against Tasmania and Western Australia when we you know, we won day one, we could get ahead of the game and drive it home for a win. So I think that's going to be a big focus for us is trying to win day one, whether that's with bat or ball. Nathan, thank you so much for your time. Great to see that you're going to be back part of the uh, the long form stuff this week. Uh, fully fit, firing, ready to go and uh, on a wicket that's really going to suit you as well. Thanks for your time on the run home. Beautiful. Thanks for having me, guys. Nathan. Cheers. Nathan McAndrew there, fast bowler for the Redbacks. Very handy batter as well. Great to have his company. We're taking a break. Plenty more on the other side. This is Kimbo on the Roach. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roach. Yeah, we're doing it thanks to Hyundai, Hyundai Tucson, tomorrow's SUV book a test drive today. Roach, I'm looking at you over there. You're still chewing on a lemon over compensation picks. Yeah, we're, get we're, it off we your chest, to go please. to the news. Now, to go back to Damien Barrett's point where he wants a whole review of how the draft has become so compromised and so loaded with so many bells and whistles, it's gone off its original point, which was to help the low-ranking, poor-performing teams to get a leg up to get an even competition. Now, he's saying he wants to ban compensation for losing free agents. Now, we know what happens then. Like you pointed out, all those players who then either move for money or for the premiership window, you're just going to make the week weaker. So there's got to be some system that says if you lose a free agent, you're going to be helped. You get something the other way. The problem is, the way it is now, the AFL invents a new draft pick. And it actually hurts everyone else who needs to get a leg up. Like Hawthorne at the moment are falling one back and have every reason to say, well, the Ben Mackay compensation at number three has hurt Hawthorne. So you're ruining equalisation. The AFL Players Association will never, ever say there's got to be an end to compensation. And they won't go for the... The other theory is you say, OK, Essendon, you want Ben Mackay? The AFL sits here and says, instead of giving North Melbourne a new pick, which is now pick number three, they'll take one off Essendon. Yeah, but, so, they're, but they're not giving it to North Melbourne. You, you've just made the point that the, they've got to get something the other way, North Melbourne, and now you're just trying to tell me that Essendon, no, no, no. Essendon take, will lose something, but North Melbourne won't get anything. No, they take it from Essendon and they give it to North. So you, you, it's like a trade, except it's forced. Yes. The only problem with that is you, you get Essendon saying, well, no, we won't do that. Essendon have got three free, free agents. How many draft picks are they going to be able to come up with that will actually accommodate the quality of the player that those other clubs are losing? Well, that's the best way to keep things in control. The problem with that, the AFL Players Association will never agree to it because they know it will just stall deals. At the moment, you just all you do is you put a contract in front of someone, they agree to it, the other club doesn't match it because they know they've got a great compo pick going. It's beautiful, beautiful movement. The problem with it is it hurts someone else along the way, unfairly. There are the, you know, these innocent bystanders at the moment. Now, if you're not going to have compensation invented by the AFL, then it's got to be compensation by taking it off Essendon or any other club that's picking up a free agent and handing it off to the clubs that are losing the free agent. There's got to be some way of rebalancing this system. At the moment, it's busted. It's completely broken. There has to be a better way. 
it is not completely broken. It's a perfectly reasonable situation to be in where you say, okay, if you're a poor club or a struggling club and you're going to lose one of your bigger name players, you deserve a decent draft pick in return. I'm not uncomfortable with it. Decent. We do need Number to take three? a break. IGA Supermarkets, how the locals like it. I'm just going to stew on this break and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you on. This is Kimbo and the Roach. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roach. Balfour's, no matter your club colours, Balfour's are for the game. Ben Hook in the chair for Kim Dillon, who will be back on Monday. Michelangelo Rucci in the studio. Rucci, you are yet to convince me. The the compensation pick needs to be absolutely encouraging of the movement, I think, for a start, and allowing a club that's losing a good player to build quickly. Otherwise, forget the whole system. I've got no problem with the compensation pick. But, you, but you, think it's, you think it's too friendly. I don't think – I think it should be friendly. I think you want it to be friendly. But in the end, if you're saying the whole system's about equalisation, you've got a heap of innocent bystanders who've got no argument here about Ben Mackay moving. They, they don't care about him moving, but they lose out because the compensation pick overcompensates North Melbourne. But, but North Melbourne – Three for Ben Mackay North Melbourne have got compensated for loss, and Essendon is the – club that gains here. Fine. So if you want to do compensate, like if, if all of a sudden I have to compensate you, you take something off me. Yep. The AFL doesn't reinvent draft picks. So they've got to find a system which says, Essendon, you're going to pay a price. And that really equalises things because you're saying Essendon's already getting the leg up with Ben Mackay. And if you invent a system where Essendon pays the price, yeah. you've got to cancel free agency altogether. We've got to, we've got to keep moving. Balfour's, no matter your club colours, Balfour's are for the game. Here is the news. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. A Balfour's in one hand and your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roach. Thanks to Hyundai, the all-new Hyundai Kona, imagined to be bold. Ben Hook in the chair for Kim Dillon. Michelangelo Rucci with you at, as always. We are closing in on 5 o'clock, Rooch. That means we're around about 24 hours away from what is a significant game of basketball for the Adelaide 36ers tomorrow. They're at the Entertainment Centre at home, taking on the Illawarra Hawks. They'll be a new-look team for more reasons than one, Roach, let's talk about all of that now. We're joined by one of their star guards, Sunday Detch. Sunday, welcome back to SEN. And tell me, do you look good in pink? <laughs> Mate, uh, yeah, we definitely do. We had um had a few shoots the other day. And not, not only does the pink look good, but just the cause that it's for. And, you know, just to bring awareness to breast cancer and, and all types of cancer of that nature. So we're hoping the entertainment centre is filled out tomorrow night in the sea of pink. Well, now, Sunday, could you make all the critics turn red by turning the form <laughs> around and getting to a 50-50 scoreline at least in the next few weeks? Yeah, look, I think that's uh, – it's been done before, right? Yep. And I think for us, 0-4 is not ideal. Um, it's not what we want, um, not what the fans want or, or the club. So we're, we're definitely well aware of that. But all we can do at the end of the day is play the, you know, the cards in front of us and mm. we play Illawarra tomorrow and – if one win turns into two, turns into three. So that's kind of our mindset. And Good. 
you know, we're, we're not overlooking this game and where we're at, but um, at the moment, it's, it's one day at a time, one game at a time. Can you do the same thing bit by bit during the game? Is it fair to say you've shown that you can be more than competitive, but you need to show up for longer during a game? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, I think that's, uh, it's no secret, right? We've, we haven't strung together four quarters, which we're, we're hoping to do tomorrow night. And it's something we've, we worked hard towards this week, right, to be able to put 40 minutes together. The, the league's too good. Uh, you can't have you know, too many lulls in mm. concentration or lapses because that turns into five, ten-point runs. And then, you know, being on the back end of that, they haven't been very, very nice. And we're hoping to generate some of our own tomorrow night as well with the, with the fans and the whole of SA behind us. Sunday, the one thing I've identified is that uh, we've we've got ourselves in some trouble in games. We've uh, racked up some double-digit deficits, but, but gee, we've fought back really well. And I think that's something that you guys can hang your hat on. We're a little bit undermanned at the moment, I know, but against Perth, against the Sydney Kings, both of those last two games were in trouble and we really fought back. Yes, didn't get the chocolates at the end, but there's obviously some real spirit amongst your group. Yeah, look, you, you hit the nail on the head. This is a resilient group. One that's you know always willing to fight and it's got a never say die attitude and and that's first and foremost um, one of the key ingredients to, to winning right to, know, to have the ability to fight back but obviously we we want to not always have to fight back in games and be in the lead and kind of take the charge from the front and look I think the Perth and Sydney road trip they're, they're tough arenas to play in and you know we've shown our fight there and and we're looking to do do the same tomorrow when it's our turn to be on the home turf and, mm. and you know, do it in front of a, a home crowd. Sunday, have you been to the airport recently to collect any reinforcements? When are <laughs> they coming in? Uh, look, we don't know. Um, mm. Obviously, that's up to management and up to the coaching staff. For us as players, you know, our, our job's kind of pretty simple. You know, you, you show up every day, you put your best foot forward, yep. you learn from previous mistakes and you look forward to kind of do the best you can. So... That's all we've done all week. Um, you know, if we do get some reinforcements, they'll be unreal. Um, we don't know a matter of when, but mm. obviously the coaches and man rectify that. Well, the one thing you can be sure of turning up at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre is your fans. How much are you feeding off them at the moment? Look, that, they're all phenomenal in our first home game against Melbourne. Once again, we, we just fell short. Um, obviously not stringing together 40 minutes, but they, they've, been, they've been phenomenal um, in, in my previous years here. You know, where, where, whether we are, they always show out. They're a passionate crowd and, and one that deserves, you know, a few wins from our end. So we're, we're definitely well aware of their support and, and you know, we hope that they, they show up again tomorrow night. Just Not just for us as well, but for the cause and for the pink round and everything that it uh, signifies as well. You listen to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. We're live from Studio Lumo SA. We're talking to Sunday Detch from the Adelaide 36ers. The 36ers tomorrow night taking on the Illawarra Hawks. Sunday, they are in eighth position and they are the worst defence in the league. Is that something you can expose tomorrow night? Yeah, look, like uh, like I said, it's, it's a tightly held competition. Um, you know, one where there's not much margin between first and, and eighth. Um, but it is something we're looking to exploit for sure. Um, and obviously, with, with the way we play, it, it counteracts the way they defend. So hopefully we can get on the on on good side of a run tomorrow night and start stringing some points together. As, um, as we've shown, you know, we're, we're quite a tough defensive group. So for us, it's about putting the ball in the hole. Just some challenges with turnovers. I think those numbers are up for the 36ers. And probably would like to see a bit more action on the offensive rebounds. Is that the sort of stuff that you can rectify quickly and, and drill and get right within three or four days? Yeah, yeah. Look, all those stuff, they're, 
their um, effort areas of the game, right? Areas of just um, concentration. It, it's not a it's not a skill thing, especially offensive rebounding. It's kind of putting together putting together a game plan where where that best off- offensive rebound is in the right spot at the right time. Um, our turnovers have been around twelve for the last couple games, and and that's right around the mark of of the NBL. You know, if if you're over that, then then you start to get into trouble. But obviously, ten is the benchmark, and if you can get Ten turnovers or less in a game, then you're in a good spot to to win the game. So, yeah, but those are definitely key areas for us, and ones that we kind of worked hard this week in terms of the the practice guys coming in and and challenging us in those areas. So, yeah, we're we're hoping to kind of show our form in in that on that end of the ball tomorrow night. So, no, we appreciate the thought of working harder. Sometimes when things get tough, we notice that sporting groups will do something different, go away and try something else. CJ or the leadership group come up with any themes, whether it be even 10-pin bowling or something? Have you changed it up? Uh, no, not at the moment. Obviously, our our sport, you know, you, you play very quick games in succession. Mm. So you travel a bit too. Um, yeah, so upon returning from Sydney, we've had two or three days on the court. And, and okay. I think we, as a group, know we need the time on the court as of right now. Um, we're, we're not to that point yet, but I, I definitely hear you. And then I'm in the past... That is something we have turned to. So we're we're a big tempting bowling team, but at the <laughs> yeah, moment all our attention is on all our attention is on winning games and and you win games by being on the practice court together as a, as a unit. Fair enough. Sunday, I know that you made mention that uh, you're very much isolated from what's going on behind the scenes with regard to the recruiting of a potential new player. But can you tell me, have you got Dejan Vasiljevic's number in your phone? And could you maybe just flick him a text and say it's a great place, Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I know DJ quite well. You know, we've we've um, crossed paths before, and he's he's a great person. And um, you know, obviously that that's up to management. I don't know what the rules are and tampering and stuff of that nature. But yeah. um, we we just chat casually online. You know, sending memes back and forth, but nothing too serious as of yet. Okay, Sunday, you'll be wearing pink. You're lifting the awareness of a very important cause. How do the fans get involved in the same way? Yeah, look, I think for us, it's. You know, ticket sales, showing up to the games. Um, there's going to be a fair few activities um, on the game night and obviously merchandise, right? I think that that's a big way to show your support. Um, obviously, yeah, breast cancer is not yeah. something, you know, we, we're fond of and something kind of we want to, you know, steer clear of if we can. But it does affect so many people in our community, um, so many people in our team. And we just want to, you know, let them know that we're here to support them and, you know, and the best way we can do how is by playing a basketball game. So, yeah, we, we hope the arenas see a pink tomorrow night. It's loud, it's rocking, and, you know, and we're hoping to get the W for not only us to get us off the ground, but also for breast cancer awareness and everything it represents. Well done. Uh, Sunday, we wish you all the very best. We want to see our Adelaide 36ers break the duck, start a, a Really good quality of basketball. Hopefully a few wins along the way and we can start to square the ledger and start to work towards it uh, over the second half of the year. And in particular tomorrow night with the uh, with the big pink slam, we're really looking forward to it. Sunday, Ditch, thanks for your time on Kimber on the Roach. No, appreciate it, boys. Thanks for having me on. You know, obviously three of our four games have been on the road. We've got the next three at home. And yeah, we're hoping to rock out tomorrow night and keep the form going in the following two games after that. Well done. Sunday, Detch from the Adelaide 36ers, our guest, and I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night's game. The first time they've ever worn pink, they've worn a number of colours, the Adelaide 36ers, across their journey since the early 80s, but 
uh, in pink for the first time. So that's going to be fascinating. One of the key people they're supporting, Roach, is uh, a woman called Leah Bayless, uh, very heavily involved with the South Adelaide Basketball Club. Her husband, Jason, was a, a great player there for many years. And the Hospital Research Foundation, who's uh, right involved here, is uh, they've sort of identified her as someone that they really want to provide some support to. And it is just amazing that the South Australian basketball community has got around it in this way with the biggest team in town changing their colours for the, for the day. So it'll be great. Great. It'll be spectacular there at uh, the Entertainment Centre tomorrow night. But it is time, Roots, to start to talk about the Friday forecast, which you are an absolute master of, and I am someone that is got no idea whatsoever. So I'll get you to steer me through it. Take me through how the Just Friday forecast works. we do works. the Friday forecast as a way to finish off our week, free agency closed. Oh, yeah, you've got AFL a bit of news for me. Sorry about that. But we know that North Melbourne had a special assistance package which allowed them to go through the system of previously delisted players, including a former Swan. They did if they win the next five flags straight. Yeah, then I'll agree will, with you. I don't think that will happen. <laughs> no, that's right. I don't but think it will happen Tony Pink either. is now back in the AFL. Was it four years ago he was with the Swans? Wasn't he? How long ago was he at the Swans? Tony Pink? Pink? Yeah. I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Ago. But he is now... Oh, excuse me, with Alistair Clarkson at Arden Street at North Melbourne. So there is another part of the I'd love to see guys like that, South Australian yep. boy playing at Glenelg, get a, get a second opportunity. So that is tremendous. And it sounds like uh, Brisbane's Tom Fullerton has been traded to Melbourne for pick 47. So that's a so pretty that's straight one, forward. Yeah, Grundy goes to Sydney, Fullerton goes Brisbane-Melbourne. The, the, um, yeah, the deck chairs are moving. Friday forecast, our good friends from the Easy Beats set us off. Now, Kim Dillon will tell you, Ben, that we pilfered this from somewhere, but I would never admit to such larceny. We've this pilfered part it. of our creative. I have heard of uh, concepts like this before, but it's a good segment regardless. I'm happy to run with it, Roach. Can you give me a sure thing, please? The Crows in the AFLW go as the top-ranked team against the bottom-ranked Western Bulldogs. They will make it to seven wins in a row, and they are closing in in the AFLW record of nine consecutive wins. I think they will rewrite it. So your season. sure thing is the top team's going to beat the bottom team. Do you, you are out in a limb. I want to see something a little bit more well, bold than that. you go for it. I, I'll tell you, Australia will be... added to it that they will rewrite the AFLW record. By beating the bottom team when they're no, the top team. No, no, no. That doesn't do... They have to still win another two after that. My sure thing, Australia will beat Sri Lanka in the World Cup on Monday night. Oh, look, sure thing is something that's absolutely definite. I am absolutely, I'm so certain about this. I've never been more certain in my life. Put the the house, the car, the family, put the lot on it. Oh, no, no, no. Gamble responsibly. Imagine what you could be buying instead, all the advice we give. Australia will win. No problem at all. What's your most at stake, Roach? I can't make up my mind whether it's the Sixers or Australia against Sri Lanka in the one-day World Cup. It's far from a sure thing. You can't have a a group that's seen to be in panic now, sure thing. They'll have that dusted inside 40 overs. No problem at all. The Australian cricket team is is far superior to Sri Lanka. It'll be their second game on that ground. I'm very confident they're going to get that done. I agree it's a most at stake candidate. However, I'm very confident that they will win. That's my sure thing, and it is your most at stake. Yes. My most at stake, Redbacks.
Can't afford to lose another Sheffield Ship game at home. You could have Jason, said that for the last six years. Jason Gillespie, I reckon he's got – I've got to be honest with you, I think he's a batter short. I feel like he's a batter light. I reckon we always look a bit brittle with the batting when there's no Travis Head and there's no Alex Carey. They are my most at stake. They need to win this game at home against New South Wales. Otherwise, it could be another very, very difficult year for South Australian Well, cricket. on that point, I would have thought we'd hammered this stake so far that at this point we can't even find it in the ground anymore. <laughs> doomsday? My doomsday scenario, the Sixers lose to Illawarra tomorrow evening and go 0-5. and five. Let me just spell out this doomsday scenario to you, Roach. CJ Bruton's in the final year as his of his contract as coach of the Adelaide 36ers. I'll give you two names that are currently unemployed. Trevor Gleeson, a bit of a uh-huh. legend over at the Perth Wildcats, yeah. and someone called Brian Georgian. Both unemployed. Uh, I just want to see how strong the will and the resolve will be at head office of the Adelaide 36ers. They're talking about bringing in another player. If they lose their next two of their next three at home, say, they've got three straight at home, how strong will the resolve be to try and make something out of the year, or do they cut and run, start to think about what happens in the future? That's my doomsday these, scenario. Who's writing all these checks? Grant can't keep. Grant Kelly can't keep going forever. Well, DJ like DJ Vasiljevic is on the cards. Obviously, wow. he doesn't come for free. My doomsday is one that has been unfolding for far too long. But the way that Australian netball is in the crisis that it is today, whether it be by a shortage of funds or by now not having a player collective bargaining agreement. This is outrageous. It is frightening. I understand that the the Players Association is notoriously difficult to deal with. All of them are. But how this has gone this long without being resolved is quite shameful for the sport. How How far are we from... The next domestic competition starts. It starts in March. Still, though, you'd want to be getting every at this point. Every player is a free agent because yeah, there's no CBA. That's right, exactly. And, and uh, we're in, the, in the, Adelaide, the, the Adelaide Thunderbirds are an unwitting victim in all of this. They have been absolutely decimated by the fact that all of their players, their premiership team, wanted to sign for them. But they couldn't sign them because Netball Australia hasn't been able to cut a deal. Tracy Neville, who'll be the new coach of the Melbourne Mavericks, she spoke today about the fact that she has managed to pull two players out of the Adelaide Thunderbirds who were going to sign for the Adelaide Thunderbirds, but they couldn't. And now they've signed basically non-binding agreements with the Melbourne Mavericks. That's where they're going to play next year. Do you want to just have a listen to this audio? As we built that, players connected with other players. So, you know, oh, we've recruited that player. Great. Now we can go yeah. after them players. And it was a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. And I feel that I feel that the jigsaw puzzle they've got, I'm so excited about. This is probably one of the most exciting um, teams I've had since we won gold at, against the Aussies in Brisbane. Eleanor Cardwell for the Adelaide Thunderbirds, player of the final, gone. Maisie Nankerville, one of our best quality midfielders gone that we've lost two players can you remember back to when Gold Coast and GWS mm-hmm. both came into the competition yeah. Adelaide lost one player both times it was the maximum you could lose in a competition where you've got 46 players on your list Adelaide have lost two of their 12 it is outrageous Hence there has been the so many thing. shameful things yes. hey, well that pretty much wraps us up my man you got much on for the weekend well, there's a fair bit on in the sense of seeing if Port Adelaide can kick straight in the AFLW to get a win this weekend. How are they tracking? I mean, it's but always difficult being the second team in. They're not. They've had 
they've had so many opportunities and they haven't nailed them. So they're at the bottom end of the table when we're expected far more this year. And we know the Crows are flying, leaders in the AFLW. Good luck to the Crows in the AFLW and to Port Adelaide. Good luck to the Adelaide 36ers as well. The, Good luck uh, to the Socceroos the tonight. are playing tonight. The Hockey One, they're over in Melbourne as well. Rich, thanks for holding my hand. And good luck, Kim. Have a good weekend, everyone. Appreciate your company, everyone. It'll be Kim Dillon and Michelangelo Rucci back in the chair on Monday. I've really appreciated your company. Bye for now. Have a great weekend. Go out Australia on Monday night. Good night.